Welcome, and thank you for listening to the New Day Podcast. We are located in South Kansas City, proclaiming the good news of God's grace to our region and abroad. If you'd like more information, please visit our website, newdaykc.org. Would you say together aloud with me, we believe in God the Father Almighty, the Creator of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord who was conceived of the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he arose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty, whence he shall come to judge the living and the dead. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. I wanted to start with that uh, creed and reach back this morning as a time of reaching back and going into memory and um, it really was a good day 15 years ago and uh, my heart's been I don't know if it's been rejoicing every day since then I've had tough days Uh, but as a church family it's certainly it's been an incredible time for me we uh, started this way back when in June when we could start meeting again and uh, uh, for anybody that, that's new here, we're, we're trying to practice social distancing as much as possible, families sitting with families. And uh, we still are not, I spent some time on the phone this week with Danny Breen, and we're still not at a place where we're comfortable doing children's ministry. And most of our parents are real comfortable with their kids being in here with us. And so that's what's occurring. And uh, so... Yeah, so our kids are with us, and it really makes my heart glad, and I'm, I'm glad they are, because I'm kind of a kid magnet. So believe it or not, even at this age, they like hanging out with me. So, it's good. Ephesians 4.20, we've been on this walking in wisdom and then living from a conclusion are the been, have been the two themes. And if you want to catch up, you can go back and get the... By the way, you can get the podcast on iTunes or you can just go to the website either way. But they're available. I usually have them up by Monday or Tuesday uh, this week. And you can pray for me. I'm actually uh, leaving for Iowa this afternoon and I'm going to spend some time with my brother because uh, he's going to have some surgery uh, up at Mayo Clinic the following week. And so I'm going to be with him. So it might be like Wednesday before I get it up, because when I get up there, I don't just sit with my brother, but I sit in a boat. So, so it's a couple days of rest for me, hopefully, also. So. Would you just read this with me? This is Paul writing in Ephesians 4. But you have not so learned Christ, if indeed you have heard him and have been taught by him, as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off concerning your former conduct, the old man which grows corrupt according to deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man 
which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. Fascinating scripture. We've been looking at living from a conclusion. And that's what you all, if you've received Christ, have a new mind. Everything's new about you. Your spirit's new, but your mind has been new. new. It's, it, it's a new way of thinking, a new way of approaching things, a new way of problem solving. Yes, he can even help you with math, of all things. So remember that if you're still in school. He can help you because he can... He gave you a new mind to think with. Um, in, to the Corinthian church, Paul wrote that we have the mind of Christ. New mind. And then Paul, in writing to the Ephesian church, says that our minds need to be renewed. Doesn't mean they need to be new again, but they need to be renewed. And as, as we do that, to, uh, it implies something. If he says it needs to be renewed, what did it go back to? Old ways of thinking. Not the old person, not the old you, old ways of thinking about things. That means you're trying to live a new life in Christ with old ways of thinking. And those two things run into each other. They crunch each other. They run in and they cause doubt, fear. A uh, hundred lesser things, and they all combine together to steal. Last week we talked about this. It is for freedom that you've been set free. What does that even mean? That I'm to live and walk, and I, I in this life now, to be free. That's um, just actually a very strange feeling. Freedom is a you know, it's more than William Wallace yelling freedom. Freedom is, uh, it's Christ. It's knowing I'm different. It's not trying to convince myself of something. It's a, it's a deep knowing. A, a, when freedom is there, I'm not bound by anything. There, there is, uh there is such a freedom in Christ that allows us and to live in that place with him. And that's what he means when he says, it's for that sake that I set you free, so that you would know that. Listen, God is the most complete free being in the universe and anything else that is. He is. He is that. He is completely free. People, church people, even try and bind him by things they call theology. You know, theology is a wonderful thing until you use it in which you, um, I've always described it this way. Theology is the line of a box that we write to understand God. But you can't put God in the center of the box. He's outside of it. You're in the center of the box. Theology is what we do to know and understand. It's the study. It's the logic of God and, and of knowing God. You are inside of those principles, not God. Last time I looked, God really knows that he's God. 
He's not wigged out by anything. He is convinced in his being. He knows who he is. True freedom is when you know who you are in him. Real freedom. To be renewed that way in the spirit of your mind and not doing that. And you're, Paul does this. He invites us, put on that newness every day. He says, put on Christ uh, I don't know about you, but I still got seven or eight old hoodies that are cloaks of shame. Sitting in the closet. And every once in a while when things don't go or my thinking gets old, all of a sudden those things magically come out of my closet and suddenly appear on my shoulders and I'm walking in shame again. And you go, oh, stop. And say, so you take that off, you put on Christ. The glorious new man. Every aspect of our freedom, every aspect of it was accomplished by Jesus at the cross. You don't have to accomplish your freedom. Christ did. That's stunning. He accomplished it. All of us are in the process of discovering that accomplishment. How great it is. What an incredible salvation it is. And how much freedom there actually can be with it. With it comes a deep embedded warfare. True warfare. That is both internal and external to persuade your mind to go back to entrapment. To ways of thinking. Determined to get you to live in lies. And old patterns of thinking. That's what it's determined to do. Every time you are seeing yourself less than how Christ sees you, that's an old way of thinking. Uh, most people follow Dylan during his non-Christian years. But I tell you what, he wrote a couple of songs when he was following the Lord. And one of them was called, the title of it was, uh, Going to Change My Way of Thinking. And to hear him say, you know, going to change my way of thinking. You know, that's my best Bob Dylan, sorry. It, yeah, I can't get as scratchy and ugly as he can and still make it cool. Change the way of thinking. Get it, get it deep, deep down. And it goes, it's funny, but when you touch it, when you, when you touch on renewing your mind, you don't get to decide where it goes. That's the nature of freedom. When it touches one aspect of what you're struggling with, it goes to a hundred different areas to set you free. It's, it's, it's just phenomenal. It's, it's this elixir of heaven, this freedom, this, this I'm new in Christ that does something. And it's, and it's more than just warfare about your sin. Most people see warfare, spiritual warfare, as striving against sin. Jesus died for your sin. Romans 6 says, it no longer has dominion over you. We spend all of our time warfaring over sin when Jesus already conquered it. It's not your judgment. John said this, most, and Jesus said this in John. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes in him who sent me has everlasting life and shall not come into judgment. Whew. Come on, that's a knee buckler. That's a what? 
You know, it's so interesting. When you, when you fast forward that to Revelation and you get the scene of what happens when saints enter heaven, it says he'll kiss away every tear, you know? He'll wipe away every tear. I call it kiss. He'll wipe away every tear. Here's the thing. You can have that now. You can have it now. That's freedom. I don't have to wait for some longing, distant delay thing to occur. He can, I've passed through that judgment. I'm in Christ. Oh, gloriousness. I really am. We have been given through this new creation an open access to thinking differently. There's no rules regarding it. There's no... There, there's nothing you have to do in order to have that. You are that. It's your thinking that needs to get renewed in it and go, yeah, I am. If it is for freedom that Christ set you free, every born-again believer that I know of believes that they are a new creation. They can quote 2 Corinthians 5. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Behold, all things have passed away and all things have been made new. So they believe that, yet they're trapped in mindsets, ways of thinking that disallow the grace and truth of that to battle the lies that create those very mindsets. Our, our mind gets set in a way of thinking. So it, it's like we go on uh, automatic pilot. And, and it's just like we're doing really good until that weird thing happens again that reminds us of something. And then I go right back to an old way of thinking. It's just like It can be a song, it can be a person, it can be an event, it can be a road that you're driving down, it can be a smell that you smell, um, it can be uh, so weird, I have so many of them. In the wintertime when I smell hot tea, I think of my dad. Not in a good way. <laughs> it's a mindset. It takes... Well, then, what is a mindset? What are you talking about, Lloyd? It's this. For, for what we're going to look at here, and this is a brief, brief definition of it. For our sake, it's a core belief, meaning these are the things deep down in the core that I believe, that you hold to be true because a controlling thought process and value that you live your life out of. It's what you think is true. So it comes out like you may have an incredibly beautiful voice, but you go, not good enough. Not, not, not valuable enough. Doesn't measure up. Uh, uh, I, I'm doing that because I hear you guys up there, and I, I even found myself going, oh, baby, if I could sing like that, I would make some money. <laughs> And then I go, you ain't never going to sing like that, buddy. And then the Holy Spirit says to me, I like the way you sing. 
Let's see, we're ready to go to mindsets. I'm not good enough. I'm not, it's not there enough. It's not, it's not accurate enough. It's not this. It's not that. And we'll discount ourselves. That's where, it's the opposite of freedom. It's bondage. Now remember where we started with Isaiah 61. So you are aligning yourself with bondage when you think that way. You're saying Jesus sets me free, but not here. It's bondage. Because you are deciding that how you think about it is greater than how God thinks about it. That is true bondage. That is the worst bondage. Most of what is written in the New Testament isn't, it's, it's designed to reveal two things. Who God is in himself and then who you are in him. We keep saying it's about us and how far away we are and what we have to do to get there. That's bondage. It's not freedom. Where do our core values come from? How do we, how do we get, how does that happen? I'm not trying to think bad. Matter of fact, I want to think really good. If I'm going to think at all, let, let it be for good, you know. I want, I want to, you know, I don't think there's anybody who goes around, I want to think really bad today. I want to be really stupid. We don't think that. Our beliefs, what we hold to be true about God, about ourselves, about others, actually will determine your values. And everyone, everyone lives out of their values. Everybody does. You live out of the things that you value. If you don't value something, you don't live out of it. You can't get a, you can say, I want the Holy Spirit to convict me. If you don't have a value for it, it's empty. It doesn't happen. So there, here's three things that are key elements that determine how you think, your mindset, where those come from. The first is core beliefs. Truths that determine the value of self-existence. Your identity, your purpose in life, your self-interest, your personality, your self-preservation, uh, who, who you are. All, all of those, those are things, uh, it's funny, but it can happen when you're little. Uh, and it can be from what others said. Our identity, everybody gets their identity from a voice outside of themselves. Um. So if you're in your teen years, normally what happens in your teen years is that we keep trying to find ourselves within ourselves, and we want to be an individual, and we want to make this individual statement, but we're dressing like everybody else looks to make an individual statement. Uh, and you see it with the different fads. It's not a put down. There's, just, there's different fads today that I probably know nothing about. Um, but I used to really laugh at this back in the grunge days, you know, and I go, y'all just being hippies all over again. You wear an old flannel shirt with rips in it and, and you know, your hair all messed up and, you know, you don't look so great. And you wear torn up boots and you're calling that grunge and we called that life. And then others told us we were hippies. You don't get that identity from an internal thing. You get it from an external thing, even when it happens internally. 
It is God who gives you identity. It is God who gives every person identity. Jesus goes out in the wilderness. Gets in a huge uh, debate with the enemy over truth. Jesus keeps bringing it back to what God's truth is. And the enemy has to depart. He comes back. He goes to the Jordan. There's his cousin. The crazy one. You know, they always show him crazy, eating grasshoppers, hanging out of his mouth. You know, it's like all the weird images we have of John. It's Jesus' cousin. Like, they know each other are cousins. They visit each other. They know, no, you know. And Jesus submits to John and puts himself, and he, and he puts him under the water. He comes up out of the water. And a voice is heard from heaven. What's it say? This is my beloved son and who I am well pleased. And listen to him. Hear him. He gets his idea. Here's the father going to Jesus. This is my son. He does that with each of us. This is my son. This is my daughter. When that, when that voice comes outside of us and we don't listen to a, a 500 lying, competing voices telling us what we're not, all of a sudden there's one that tells us what we are. It's a game changer. It can be a core, when, when that becomes a core belief instead of a lie, I am like this, so I got to hang out here, and I got to do it this way. That's bondage. Second thing that uh, determines the way we think, our mindsets, our life experiences, your family values, your religious values, painful and joyful experiences that make up your history, uh, crisis and trauma and tragedy, uh, trauma is a profound thing when you have that in your personal life. It can set the course for the way you think. Because it, it happens with the ones that we are usually, we, there's some sense of love or belonging, and then that ha- our experiences happen that way. Um, it's why, uh, listen, I don't like stock car races or NASCAR or whatever you call it. You know, I see no point in it. Yeah. Oh boy. Another left-hand turn, you know, loud, loud, loud. But here I have a, here's, here's what I have though, is when I was a little kid, we went to the local stock car races. So I can empathize with people who do like it. I've never, like, this is not my cup of tea. It wasn't when I was little, but I got to go and eat snow cones and, you know, and got a little plastic car from Red Drosty who drove number four. How's that for a memory? Those life experiences help create the fabric of how you think, your mindsets. The other one's the environment, the world around us. The meaning of, and think what's getting attacked today, the meaning of culture, of our society, of our subcultures, 
of ethnicities and worldviews. See, we all, for me, now being an older man and having gone through that, I look back at the days of hippiedom with fondness. Kind of like, ah, we were cool. We were really cool. Hippie wasn't a good word when it was called hippie. That wasn't a fun word. That was like, it was a derogatory word. That meant you were not living right and not thinking right and not doing this right. But see, through the, through the time, the mind, the way it thinks. And now even you look, you watch something on the History Channel, you go, yeah, they were pretty cool. Because you have a mindset to think that way because that's how it's being introduced to you. They were actually street kids that didn't smell very good because they couldn't find a take place to take a shower wasn't all that cool they didn't get enough food and they smoked way too much pot it was all of that it's mindsets out of those mindsets there's a war that comes between truth real truth and misbeliefs So a misbelief is something that isn't true, but you believe it to be true. So it's a mis-core belief. There are two things that break through on truth and misbeliefs. So in understanding that, And I will tell you this, this thing of misbelief, this is the thing that I've watched attack people. Wonderful, born again, renewed in Jesus people, and they can turn on a dime we all can and go right back into an old trap. It's, it's stunning. You're always shocked at yourself. And when you start looking at the ways to change this thinking, uh, you'll be you'll be dumbfounded so I'm, I want to give you some practical advice. you'll be dumbfounded at how easy it is and that there's not like I got to memorize these seven scriptures and I got to say these three things and I got to do this and this and this and I better implement that and so that this comes to pass it's not that's not freedom that's just trading something for religion so the, the first is this, and, and we're actually going to close right after this one because I want you to see grace. These are, these are two definitions that John Lynch wrote, and John's an incredible author and uh, incredible leader. These are definitions that I, I wrestled with other people's definitions of grace, but grace is the absolute and unforced favor gained by Christ's death and resurrection, allowing God to be completely for us and endlessly in love with us apart from anything we must prove. It's his definition of grace. And then he describes what grace is. Grace is an actual realm, a way of life in which we no longer strive for our acceptance, no longer live finding... A belief, if I hang on to this, we mature, heal, and are released into his intentions by trusting that Jesus and all of his power is fused into us, creating an entirely new person. Free. Free. 
Oh, you make too much of grace. We don't make enough of it. You stress grace too much, not nearly enough. Well, you got to bring other things to bear in this. Oh, no, I don't. When this becomes core belief, when this definition of grace becomes my core belief, I don't even have to take authority of my, over mindsets. It does. It, start, it, starts, it starts attacking and renewing my mind. It will go immediately there and it will remind you of who you are in Christ. Even now, when let's say I was tempted to sin. Here's how it works now. Oh, I'm being tempted. I still got that inside of me. I can't believe I can still get hooked. Does that sound like thinking that you have? Here's the new way of thinking. It's not who I am in Christ. In Christ, I'm... It's just complete. Accepted. Beloved. I'm His. When that starts happening, when that's kind of freedom, then believe it or not, instead of having to try and find the tools to get set free from sin and patterns of sin, I don't have to do that. I live in who Christ is. He does it. Because he did it. I can't do it. The old mindset is me trying to overcome again. The new mindset is Christ in me. Is this, is this making sense? Now we're going to look at truth next week and how to take grace and truth harnessed together. There's truth and then there's truth. There's a difference. We live in an age of relativism. It's, truth is dependent on the circumstances. God lives in absolute truth. He is. I am the way, the life, and the truth. That's called biblical truth. This is what he declared. I am truth. I am the truth. No matter what they tell you about human behavior, he's the truth. When truth and grace get harnessed together, which that's in Christ, grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. When those are harnessed together, you can't talk about them enough because I've been doing it for 10 years. And I say, I can't get enough of it. I can tell you this, going to change my way of thinking. That's what it does. It changes my core. My being, it changes the way, and my mind's renewed. So I want to I pray. You, you go back, you look at some of these scriptures this week, and just pray, and pray a really dangerous prayer. God, reveal grace and truth to me through these scriptures today. And then, then be willing to look at what you don't believe, or that maybe you were wrong, I had to unlearn so many things. I had to unlearn the way I'd been told it had to be done and to live in the freedom of Christ. Phenomenal. Stand with me. God, I pray for everybody who's had these mindsets just wear on them. 
Lord, Paul called those mindsets strongholds. They have a stronghold on us. We let go of them this morning. We receive the beauty of Christ. The fullness. The changing power of his grace and truth. The eminence of a new creation. And what it means to be found in you. Lord, I pray for everybody this week that they would refine themselves in new minds. That their minds would be renewed this week. Even as they face old patterns. That you would do this incredible work that we call grace. In Jesus' name. Amen. Now, may the Lord bless you and keep you. Lord, make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. Lord, lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.